Welcome to this brand new episode of the Marketing Technology Podcast. This podcast is hosted by Mark van Horek and myself, Elias Krum, and brought to you by Marketing Guys, the MarTech agency based out of the Netherlands. Welcome to this new episode of the Marketing Technology Podcast, on which I today have the founder and CEO of CreativeX, Anastasia Lang. Welcome, Anastasia. Can you give the audience a little a bit about your background and uh, about Creative X, because what is it, what you do, and how did you come where to you where you're now? Sure, yeah, absolutely. Um, so first of all, thank you for having me live. It's nice to be here. Uh, the lovely thing about podcasts is you can now have conversations with people from all around the world in the in an age of still the pandemic. But my name is Anastasia. I my career has been essentially a force of serendipity. And that's how I ended up with CreativeX. But I started my career at Google. I spent just over five years essentially working on every ad tech and analytics product Google had. And I left Google after about five years to start an e-commerce business called Hatch. That was my first foray into startup land. It was not a very successful company. uh, But the flip side of it was we learned a lot of lessons along the way. And the lessons we learned, and in an effort to save that company, we ended up starting to build technology that tried to help us make better creative decisions, more objective creative decisions. Essentially, as an e-commerce company, we were really struggling with this idea that imagery and video was so important to how our consumers made decisions. But we couldn't really understand or learn from any of the creative decisions we were making in terms of what was working and what wasn't. And then once we figured out some stuff that was working, how do we actually apply that and roll that out at scale so we can mm-hmm. make better creative decisions, right? So that every creative could be better than the one before it. And in an attempt to do that, we ended up building some technology in the background. And um, eventually an investor pointed out that the stuff we were building to save Hatch, which was my first company, was more exciting than Hatch itself. And mm-hmm. that's how CreativeX was born. Uh, I wish I, it was some, some brilliant story and some brilliant mastermind thing I had thought of, but really it was it was a, a, a desperate attempt to keep my first company going, which led to the creation of a much more successful business. It's it's and I think that's a pitfall a lot of entrepreneurs fall into, right? So because you you it's your baby, you want to grow it, etc. You don't want to leave it. And but in the in the meanwhile, you you discovered something way nicer and um that's what we're going to talk about today because I love that topic um, because as you were just saying, creative has a lot of subjectiveness in it. Um, yeah. When I talk to customers in my agency um, and it's something we, we, for example, have decided not to create is content because it's very subjective. Yeah. One of the reasons we're not doing that. Um, and you found a way to make it it's immeasurable how to make it data backed. And I'm, I, I love to hear more about this in this episode because um, the thing with, uh, with content and creative, like, like creative, like video or like visuals or whatsoever, always have like a subjectiveness in liking yeah. or not liking. Um, and I think still a lot of business owners, e-commerce owners depend on their gut feeling to place a video, to, to make a visual the way it's, 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 it looks on their uh, web shop now. Um, so um, how is your experience there? Because you must have had experiences in which it was subjective and, and let you, that led you to make it more data-led. 100%. What you're describing, I think, is something that I certainly relate to very much and something that I think 
probably every marketer who's worked on content or creative or really any campaign can probably relate to. And it's this notion of you have an idea or you have a creative and you put it out there and someone says, I like it. And someone says, I don't like it. And where do you go from there? And typically what happens is the most senior person in the room wins, Mm -hmm. whether rightly or wrongly, that's the opinion that we go with. And I think the problem stemmed from, and this was certainly the problem we felt, is we did not have a shared language for talking about creative, which really meant the same thing to all people that we previously agreed on. So, you know, even the definition of good or bad is very subjective. You might see something and think it's great, and I might see something and think it's terrible, and it's the same piece of content. So how do we get to the shared language and understanding of creative? And that's what we've been working on. And I think as Creative X, as a company, we've thought about this broad concept of creative excellence, right? And creative excellence, of course, is a very difficult and aspirational term to continue to build towards. But currently, our technology measures four different elements that all add up to what we think of as creative excellence. One is basic creative quality. Does the piece of content meet all those fundamental best practices that allow it to succeed in the environment that it's going on? The second piece is around brand consistency. Is it consistent with your brand? Because if it's not consistent with your brand, it's going to have to work over time in order to get people to remember it and associate it with with your company. The third one is around compliance. And this is not relevant to every, uh, every listener on the call, but for folks who are in heavily regulated industries, whether that's finance, alcohol, pharmaceuticals, there's also this piece of making sure the ad is complying with all the local regulation, which is Mm -hmm. a big piece of making sure it's successful. And then the last piece, something we've just started focusing on is around representation. So how do you make sure that the people you're featuring in in your content are actually representative of the, the people that you're trying to talk to, but more importantly, you're not stereotyping your audience by accident. And we sort of have technology that measures each of these things. And by by, have, by breaking it down in this way, what we hope to do is give people a shared language by which they can say, hey, this ad is consistent versus not consistent with our brand. This ad meets or doesn't meet all of the best practices that have been proven to drive marketing effectiveness. And all of these things, ultimately, we can tie back to ROI. So when you're talking about these four elements to come to this creative excellence, um, yes. You pointed out the first one as, as uh, mainly focusing on basic uh, quality. So does your video or visual, we're talking visuals and videos, right? Or Correct. Yeah, okay, cool. So uh, when we're talking about basic quality, how do you measure if something has a quality? Because um, we always get into this discussion like, yeah, on the new social platforms, it doesn't have to be as smooth as it used to be on YouTube. Now that you're sending out your TikTok video can be can be very informal versus a very formal, let's say, thing on, on YouTube. So how do you measure quality there? Yeah, it's you know, it's a really big question. And uh, I would say we're, we're probably part of the way through that journey. But what we've tried to popularize is this concept of a creative quality score. Now, mm-hmm. to your point exactly, a creative quality score or the creative quality score is really dependent based on the platform. So what is uh, what is required in order for an ad to have a high creative quality score on YouTube is going to be different than a television ad versus a TikTok ad versus a Facebook ad. And so what we've done is work very closely with all the different platform partners, Facebook, YouTube, Snapchat, et cetera, and understand, first of all, from all the meta studies that they've done, 
what are the elements of high-performing content? Um, we've done our own studies based on the work we're doing with all the brands to figure out what are the creative elements that seem to drive higher performance for them. And then we've sort of aggregated that into proven, statistically validated and proven best practices on a per-platform basis. So I'll give you some examples. Uh, these are some of the ones that we see pretty much across every platform, right? And, and I would say, before you use any technology, if you're at a point where, you know, you're just trying to dip your foot in and figure out, hey, what's my creative quality score? Is it good or is it bad? These are some of the things I would think about first, just to kind of take a lay of the land within your own content. The first very basic thing is, is the piece of content branded up front? It sounds so basic, but especially for videos, the average view length of a video is about, I think, two to three seconds on Facebook and five seconds on YouTube. Many people still, because they recycle content from other platforms, will not brand the video up front, which means that if someone just engages for two, three seconds, that's a branded impression that you've lost. So first of all, is it branded and is it branded up front? The second very common mistake that we, that we see uh, brands make is around aspect ratio. And it's again, to your point, because of this platform proliferation problem, you'll take a YouTube video and you'll put it on Instagram. Mm -hmm. But the ideal aspect ratio for YouTube is 16 by nine versus for Instagram, it's nine by 16, right? And so what you have is a uh, horizontal ad living in a vertical space. And so you're not actually utilizing your real estate. It sounds really basic, but we have to remember most people are looking on our ad on the size of a hand. Mm -hmm. And so the fact that you're not utilizing that whole real estate means that your logo or your product cannot be seen to its full extent. Another example, and again, uh, uh, you know, all these things are basic. You're going to hear them be like, this is not rocket science. And it's not, you know, none of this is rocket science, but it is so basic and so important. And we can talk about the importance of this in a second. Another, uh, another common thing that we see brands typically get wrong is their usage of sound. So you have some platforms that are sound on first and mm -hmm. others that aren't. So Facebook and Instagram are great examples where I believe somewhere between 95 and 98% of content is watched without sound, which means that for your ad, if you have uh, audio, it has to do the work without the audio being turned on. That means using supers or subtitles or just making sure the story is clearly understood without sound. You go to YouTube and the data says the opposite. Sound is actually an amplifier for your message. So there you want to think about audio branding as well as visual branding. You actually want to make sure that the audio file sort of enriches the visual story that you're telling. So, so these are a couple examples that we've seen time and time again uh, really do increase performance. And, and the research that we've done, we've done some research recently that aggregates, um, we looked at a million ads, uh, over a trillion ad impressions across these platforms. And what we found is that as creative quality score goes up, there is a statistical relationship to lower CPMs, higher ad recall rate, and lower cost per completed view. So you're actually getting significantly more bang for your buck and the relationship is nearly linear. So for every 10% increase to your creative quality score, your CPMs drop by 2%. Your wow. ad recall increases by 2%. Your cost per view drops by about 5%, right? So these are very powerful elements and yet they're so basic that they don't actually question or, or judge anyone's creative disposition or creative vision. So, um, and I love these these hand, these hands-on examples. Uh, the audience will love it as well. You know, just to to make it very practical. The thing I'm just wondering here is, um, 
does your solution also help marketers that are producing the creative content in um, making the right decisions based on, uh, let's say, prior experiences? Or does it give you some predictions about which content will work, will probably work? So prediction is really tough. And it's a space we're trying to get into. But we are, you know... An analytics company has to stand by the sanctity of their data. And a lot of companies in this space, you talk about prediction. Uh, the statistical validity, we believe, is not fully there. So we do a couple of things. First of all, we give you tools uh, to run all your content through our system before you publish it, including all your agency partners, to make sure that content adheres to all of these best practices before it goes live. So we give you like this stopgap where... Uh, Anyone across the organization can put a piece of content in, say, hey, this is going to Facebook. Our system spits out uh, sort of near instantly a scorecard that says, yes, this is good to go or no, this is not good to go for these reasons. The system is continually learning. So we're hoping over time to give you more of that predictive capability as well. Right now, what we're showing you is a very high and a very statistically significant correlation between this data and marketing performance. But to say, hey, this is a good ad, I think, you know, the, the definition of good has to extend beyond just creative quality and best practices in order to truly get there. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Certainly what we've seen through some work that we've done with Facebook is that your if your creative quality score is low, there is a very high certainty that the ad is going to perform badly. But a high creative quality score is typically uh, not the only ingredient that must be there in order to perform well. So Facebook has recently introduced this new metric called the gamma, I'm going to mess this up because they've changed the name a couple of times. I believe it's the gamma score or the gamma signal. Mm-hmm. And this is their measure and their metric of what they call visual interest. It's essentially like this machine learning derived metric that aims to assess how interesting an ad is. And one of the things they found is that the best performing ads will have a high gamma score and a high creative X, creative quality score. If you're low on one of these, Mm -hmm. the ad's not going to perform well. And it's probably not even going to be shown as much as the other one. That's right. And, you know, and those claims are really difficult to make because, you know, even though uh, I spent five years at Google, everyone assumes that, you know, I had the secret keys to how the auction (laughs) dynamic worked. Of course, I did not. I would, you know, I was not lucky enough to be one of those people. So it, you know, it is sort of above my pay grade to talk about the Facebook or Google auction dynamics. Mm -hmm. But certainly what we see from the data is that when creative quality score is so heavily correlated to CPMs, that must mean that whether intentionally or due to its machine learning optimization algorithms, ads that have a higher creative quality score and have these best practices are favored in an auction dynamic because they're getting cheaper CPMs. The reason why we decided to call this a creative quality score is because Facebook and Google actually have their own quality scores for things like search and for things like their own ads. So, so mm-hmm. this is really a note to them and, and the concept they popularized. So uh, let's say we have someone in the audience that thinks, you know, yes, I want to be more ROI driven with my creative content because you know, we all know that a lot of marketers are just keeping to to rely on their good feeling and uh this this really can help them so your solution helps them how do they start using your solution is it like a software is it is it a service how how does it work and what kind of companies do you currently help yes 
So, uh, so we're a software company and we have tools that do all of this. We have tools that will audit all of your existing content and give you a creative quality score on all of them. We will help you pinpoint which agencies, brands, or markets are producing the content that has the lowest quality score or that are spending the most money on content that either has a low quality score or doesn't adhere to your brand consistency standards, whatever the case may be. So we can help you answer all of these questions to help you figure out where to dig and then give you the tools to make sure that every piece of content going forward is you know, of high quality, is set up for success, is consistent with your brand, all of that. The brands we typically work with tend to be uh, global sort of Fortune 500 uh, brands. They tend to be heavily reliant on imagery and video to communicate their message. And it, it's, you know, kind of a cornerstone of their communication and marketing strategy. Other than that, you know, we'll work with anyone for whom we can genuinely help solve a problem. And while that's a software solution, of course, there are people and marketers behind that solution who will help you uh, make sure that you can apply those insights in a way that makes sense for your business. Cool. I love it. So Anastasia, it was a pleasure having you here and explaining how this data can help you to really create uh, creative content at scale, how the data helps you to make the right decisions and be less subjective. Um, I'll share a link to your website, CreativeX, and to your LinkedIn profile so people can reach out to you on LinkedIn should they have any questions about you or, or uh, the, the, the uh, company. Um, and again, it was a pleasure having you. Yeah, thanks for having me. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Marketing Technology Podcast. If you enjoyed this podcast, please leave us a review on your favorite podcast platform or iTunes. Also, if you want to be a guest or know someone that should be a guest to our show, shoot me an email on e.crum at marketingguys.nl. Thank you for listening.